Hey guys, welcome to episode 3 of Patel Me About It. I'm your host, Kunal Patel, and this is actually the first quote-unquote emergency podcast of this series. Um, I'm super excited. I had every intention to talk about UT-USC, last week's epic rematch of the 06 Rose Bowl. Um, NFL is in full swing. We're in week 3 right now. College football week four, we're about a quarter of the way into the season, so I had every intention to talk about football and keep it at that, but once again, the NBA somehow steals the spotlight and has taken over the headlines. People are now talking about Carmelo Anthony being traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder and what that means for the rest of the NBA, what it means for New York City, what it means for Melo, what it means for LA, which is kind of weird to say. And what it can mean for Oklahoma City's future. So I want to dive into that with the uh, with that's taken over. I'm going to talk about Mello in today's episode. It's going to be a lot of NBA talk. It is Sunday while I'm recording this, so I have the Texans Patriots game on in front of me, and Texans look pretty good in in the first half. So let's see what they can do there. But um, first things first, let's get it started with DJ Ofresh bringing us home. Nobody move, I'm about to come through, man, I promise. Woo! Open the door, you know you can't turn up without us. All right, well, uh, the big news of the weekend, and I'm sure everyone is, knows this by now, Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder yesterday, I think around 11.30 Central Time, about 24 hours ago when I'm recording this, and... Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, so I guess just to recap the timeline of what happened, Friday night, or Friday afternoon, it came out that Melo has expanded his wish list of teams to be traded to, it was only Houston, or let me even backtrack further, it used to be Cleveland and Houston, Cleveland really didn't have anything or didn't know what to do, so then he said Houston only would be where he would waive his no trade clause. And then it just seemed that Houston and New York were not going to be able to find a trade. Like, there was nothing that New York wanted on the Houston roster, which I don't blame them. I'll get into that a little little more later on. But there was nothing that New York wanted on the Houston roster. So it just didn't make sense for them to just send Melo to Houston. And so Melo finally realized that as well and expanded that team to report, say, Oklahoma City. And Cleveland again, and then Houston. And so as soon as that happened, Oklahoma City was always interested, but just didn't know if he would waive the no-trade clause. As soon as he said yes, I mean, Oklahoma City probably called up uh, New York, offered what they gave him, and New York said yes. Because they kind of, it was kind of, we kind of knew what was going to happen. The contracts worked out perfectly where Enos Cantor would have to go to New York along with a younger guy, Doug McDermott, in this case. And then they sent him a second-round pick instead of a first-round pick. So that was kind of interesting. So New York, in return for Mello, gets Enos Cantor on a four-year or maybe three-year now, three-year $70 million deal, which I thought was kind of bad. Like, that's a bad contract to have. But, I mean, if you're in New York, you're going to be bad for a while. So you got to take what you can get. And then they get Dougie McDu- McBuckets. Um and a second round pick. So we'll see what that does for New York. That They're not really the talk of this uh, trade or the podcast. Really, we're worried about Carmelo Anthony and Oklahoma City. So to, 
to fast forward now we're at Saturday the trade happens about at 11:30 I'm at the gym I don't really I wasn't checking Twitter or anything on at the gym but a buddy texted me and said mellow to the thunder and I was like wow I it, I wasn't surprised I wasn't surprised because the minute he expanded his list of teams I knew Houston's chances had like diminished instrumentally just because Houston no one wants Ryan Anderson's contract regardless New York definitely didn't want Ryan Anderson's contract and so then it became a three it was we were trying to construct a three team deal but again it comes down to Ryan Anderson's contract is not appealing to almost any team in the league um so why why would Houston be able to somehow get mellow so as soon as the list came out I wasn't surprised that Oklahoma City got him yesterday um, I was at the gym, like I said, and people just, like, one of the trainers at the gym was like, oh, my God, mellow, mellow to the uh, thunder. The Warriors are, are, are no longer the favorites. I, he said that, and I was in there, you know, I had my headphones on. I kept to, my, kept to myself, but I kind of I laughed. Like, come on, uh, let's, not, let's not overreact here. I think it's great that mellow went the Thunder, it makes uh, it gives us another contender, but let's not get carried away. Golden State's still the defending champs. They've won two out of the last three. They had a three-one lead the, the year they lost. Like they are still the heavy favorites to win the title. It, it's not even close. So let's not overreact. But you know, I was just I, I was at the gym. So when my buddy texted me, started checking Twitter, all the reactions. You know, you get the little gifs and memes about. Hoodie Mello going to Oklahoma City and, you know, Russell Westbrook with his little gif, like, ah, like he, he's happy now. You know, you don't see happy Russ often, but last year he's playing with scrubs, and sorry, no offense, but that team wasn't talented around him. He's playing with guys like Victor Oladipo, Andre Roberson, who's still on the team, um, Steven Adams, who's a good player, but, like, that, those were the guys he relied on, and now you fast forward a year year later and he's got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on his roster that's incredible so Russell Westbrook is probably the happiest camper out there um and so I'm thinking to myself you know that it's interesting but let's not get carried away so my initial reaction to this trade was first and foremost knowing who I am I was like shit the Rockets are no longer the, the the second contender in the West. Obviously, Golden State's up there. We weren't. I don't think we're the second best team anymore. I think Oklahoma City, the way they, the way they can use that lineup. I don't know if they will, but the way they can use that lineup uh, would give the Rockets matchup nightmares. We wouldn't be able to play Ryan Anderson. Um, I just think, I just think uh, they w- they're better constructed to beat us and then even give Golden State a run for their money. So my initial reaction was. Being a little selfish, I'm scared. I'm scared for my Rockets, um, and then and then I get past my Rockets, and I think big picture here, what does it mean for the league? It means Oklahoma City is going to be relevant for one more year, and that's it. My 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 prediction here is a financially it doesn't make sense. Oklahoma City, in no there's no realistic. Um, there's no realistic path for them to sign all three of those guys next year. So I'm thinking a year from now, none of those three, or maybe one of the three will still be on Oklahoma City, but two of them will be in L.A., probably Russell Westbrook and Paul George. So Oklahoma City fans, my my, uh, my advice to you is enjoy this year as much as possible. Enjoy for what it is. You have three superstars 
on your roster. You didn't have to give up incredibly much. I think you still have a pretty pretty stacked lineup. I mean, from what I can tell, I think the starting lineup would be Russ at the point guard, Roberson at two, Paul George at the three, Anthony at four, which I think he can play in, in today's league. It's such a stretch for not too many not too many big men go back to the basket, so I think you can get away with Anthony at the four, and then Steven Adams, who's a capable big man at the five. And plus, you, off the bench, you get a guy like Raymond Felton, who I, I laugh when I say it, but I think he can be a guy that can give you seven to 12 minutes a game. You know, he's not going to put up stats, but he's going to control the game and do the right things. Then they sign Patrick Patterson, who's another just competent big man. He stretches the floor. He can shoot the three, rebound the ball. I think he's going to be solid addition for them. And then Alex, don't know if I'm saying this correctly, Abrines or Abrines? I think it's Abrines. Sharpshooter. Um, he's going to run around screens. He can. He's some instant offense off the bench. And then Jeremy Grant, freak athlete. So I think they go nine deep here on that roster. They've got flexibility with Paul George and Anthony, who who I think Paul George can go from shooting guard to small forward to power forward, and then Carmelo can play the small forward and power forward. So a lot of flexibility there for them. I I think this roster is talented, which leads me to say that the the outcome of this trade leaves leaves the most uh, pressure on Billy Donovan. And I say that really carefully. Billy Donovan's he's got a lot of pressure. I don't know who else you really point the pressure to, you know. Billy Donovan is now tasked the uh, the job of finding enough touches for three quote unquote superstars. All three of them: Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony were top ten in isolated points per game last year. Now, for some of you that that don't know what that means, it's just isolation ball, like. You give the ball to Melo on the wing, and he goes and scores. He was top 10 in that. Paul George was top 10 in that. And Russell Westbrook was also top 10 in that. The point I'm trying to get to that is, I don't know how they space the floor out. Um, I was telling a friend, I don't think Carmelo Anthony's a knockdown um, spot-up shooter. Enough to where you have to really um, worry about him. You know, like He's there, but you're not gonna, you can kind of cheat off him. Same thing with Westbrook. If Westbrook doesn't have the ball in his hand, I don't think you have to stay up on him when he's in a, on the corner three. You know, that's not a shot he's comfortable with. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for Billy Donovan. Like, can he find a way to figure things out? You know, last year with just Russell Westbrook, they ran the offense completely through him. I think he had the highest usage rate at least last year, and if not ever. So, I mean, it, it's easier said than done. You know, Billy Donovan, we still don't know what type of coach he is. Kevin Durant came out and had some not-so-nice things to say about him. So, we don't know um, what type of what type of coach he really is. And I think this year, more than anything, he's finally got a very talented roster under him. So, it's up to him to really um, figure it out. The joke on Twitter was, you know, can the Oklahoma City Thunder ask the NBA to play with three balls at once? And I know that's a joke, but that's something that's that's a realistic problem they have. There's one ball, you have three superstars. And the thing with superstars is these aren't Clay Thompsons or even James Harden back in the day when they can play off ball. Paul George was the best player on the Pacers for as long as he was there, and it wasn't even close. Um 
Carmelo Anthony, easily the best player. Well, not easily, but he was the best player on the Thunder and the or sorry, the Knicks. And the Knicks definitely struggled to space the floor when Anthony didn't have the ball. So that and so that's going to be an issue for Oklahoma City, and I, I think it's going to take some time to mesh with each other and for Billy Donovan to figure that out. So, I mean, we are, what, a week away? This this coming week is media days, and then training camp starts soon. Preseason games start, I think, within two weeks, if not like ten days. So, yes, the trade happened, quote-unquote, in the off season, but Billy Donovan's got a tough task ahead. Like, he's got to figure it out and figure it out fast. But I, I think it's a good good problem to have. Look, I'm in the sense that in today's league, and by today's league I mean Golden State's league, they've essentially forced every NBA team to get superstars. Um, if you don't have a superstar, you're not competitive. If you have one, you're good, not great. If you have two, maybe you're getting a little competitive. So in my opinion, you might as well roll the dice and get a third one. I think having three superstars is better than having two. Any way you cut up the onion, any way you cut it up, like it's better than having two. So I think Oklahoma City, if anything, got a little more interesting. It doesn't put them over the top, but it ha- it gives them the opportunity to go over the top and beat Golden State. So I don't know if it'll happen, but it very well could could happen. So we'll see about that. Um, I alluded to the point where Oklahoma City, I, I told Oklahoma City fans, you know, enjoy this season for what it is. The reason I say that and the reason I say it the way I did is because I really don't think Oklahoma City can keep any of them next year. I don't know what Anthony's deal is. I think he has an opt-out deal for this coming year. Um, Russell Westbrook has a five-year extension on the table, five-year, $207 million offer on the table. Um, his deadline to sign it is October 16th, which is now less than a month away. And that thing has been on the table for a while, and Westbrook really hasn't made a move on re-signing that. So if I were Oklahoma City, I'd be A, nervous about Russell Westbrook. So that's problem one. Two, I'd be worried about Paul George because this dude seems like a big city guy if there ever was one. He keeps... His camp keeps leaking out that he wants to go to L.A., so why the hell would he stay in Oklahoma City? No offense to that franchise, no offense to that city, but if you're saying L.A.'s calling or Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City without Russell Westbrook, then Paul George has every, every right to go to L.A., so I really think he will make his way out there, which leaves Anthony on the thunder, um, and I think, if I if I know correctly, he has an opt-out deal. He's going to get the hell out of there, too. I mean, why would he stay if the other two are gone? So, Oklahoma City, enjoy this year. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for the league. Um, but I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's going to last too long. So, good luck to you guys. I guess the other side of the, the trade, I, we talked about the Oklahoma City, what it kind of means. I think it propels them or catapults them up to the second best team in the West, at least regular season. So... So that's interesting, but the other side of the trade is uh, New York City. What does it kind of mean for them and mean for their future? I don't know what their roster really looks like. I know they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to a freakishly large deal. That was uh, one of the most New York Knicks things that you can do. They still have the unicorn, Chris Stapps Porzingis, kind of the new face of the franchise. Who, who I, 
I'm not I'm not sure about him. I love the dude. I I root for him. I think he's super talented. He's huge. But I don't know if he can be the face of a franchise, especially in New York City. A lot of pressure. But I'm intrigued to see what they can do with him. They drafted the French point guard named Frank Nitikana. I don't know if I'm saying that right either. Um, So they have some pieces around. They have Joe Kim Noah on a terrible contract. Don't know if he's healthy. Ron Baker. They have a bunch of random guys, but... I think Frank Nittikana is a little X-factor. If he can be a 10-5 and five or 12-5 and five rookie, that could be interesting. Porzingis, Porzingis is a question mark for New York. He's definitely the face of the franchise. He's the future. But now the question becomes, can New York really attract free agents? They got rid of Phil Jackson. They, they, uh, you know, that, that issue's all resolved. So can they... Like, can they appeal to free agents? You know, that's a question. Back in the day, they used to. It was New York Knicks, the Glamour, Madison Square Garden, such a storied franchise and all that. But now, in my lifetime, they've been bad. Just, just straight up bad. And so, I don't know if, what this trade really means for their future. Obviously, they got rid of Melo, who just didn't want to be there. That's good. Did they get a good return on the trade? Probably not. I mean, Enos Cantor is a good player, but he's not a good player on a bad team when he's asked to do more. I don't know what he can really do. He's a terrible defender. Um, and how, how does he fit in with Porzingis? I don't know. So that's going to be interesting. Doug McDermott, honestly, might start at small forward for them. If you put Hardaway at the two, a starting lineup of Frank Nittikana, Tim Hardaway Jr., Doug McDermott, Porzingis, and Cantor, the, that starting five maybe wins you 25 to 30 games. So... New York's in a in a state of free fall, but that's okay. You got rid of the problems. If you're the New York franchise, you just have to stay pat. You have to be patient and trust that they're making the right steps for the future. So new, to New York fans, I'm saying good luck. To Oklahoma City fans, I'm saying have fun. So, I mean, that was a recap of the trade. I think it's exciting more than anything if I had to recap one word to to describe the Carmelo Anthony trade to Oklahoma City, I would say exciting. Um, that's it, right? It's exciting, but it, I don't know if it shifts the power balance to Oklahoma City. It actually, it definitely doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Let's not let's not get carried away. Because look, if if Golden State and Oklahoma City were to meet in the Western Conference Finals, which is very likely to happen, <clears throat> here's the map. Here's the lineup that could define. Define the series. <clears throat> Sorry, losing my voice here. Um, the, the the lineup for Golden State would be the death lineup, as they say. It'd be Steph, Clay, Iguodala, Kevin Durant, and Draymond. So no real big there, but you would have four shooters: Iguodala, a lockdown defender; Clay, a lockdown defender; KD, a good defender; Draymond, a good defender; and then Steph, just a ball handler. That's scary when you think about it. And then Oklahoma City to counter that would would throw out something. I don't know. Like, we haven't seen the lineup. This is up to Billy Donovan. But the lineup I would maybe go out with would be Russell, Paul George, Mello, Roberson, and Adams. I, I think your starting five has to be your also the lineup you finish with. I don't know if you can. So, I guess let me let me backtrack here. The five would be Russell on Steph, Roberson on Clay, PG on KD. I think you put Mello on Iguodala and then let Adams try to chase around 
Draymond Green. I think you can get away with that. If not, I think you have to take out Adams and put in like Patrick Patterson um, just to get a little more shooting, a little more mobility out there. But think think about that. I think it's interesting because they can match up really well. Westbrook would have to chase around Curry. I think you trust Roberson on Clay, and then PG's a PG's a over over um, above average defender to where I would trust him on Kevin Durant. It's going to be tough, but I would trust him. Carmelo can definitely um, either guard Draymond or Iguodala. I think in this case, I would put him on Draymond and then have Patterson cheat off of Iguodala because you can live with him shooting. To me, that five makes a very intriguing fourth quarter in that series. So if anything, I'm I'm looking forward to if that's what we get in the Western Conference Finals, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, that'll like that could very well be the Western Conference Finals preview, and something like that could really define what happens in that series, barring any injuries, which we're not we're not rooting for any injuries or anything like that. I will say my my sleeper team in the West that still young might be a year removed, but they're well coached. Got some veteran leadership. Picked up Jimmy Butler. It's Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota fans have not been good in a while, but I think this year they have something to be excited about. The lineup of Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Wiggins, Towns, and Todd Gibson is very scary. And the reason, more more than anything, the reason I really like this is because they can just give matchup problems. Carl Anthony Towns is a seven-footer that can dribble the ball, that can shoot the ball, and make plays for himself. He's not a back to the basket type of defender or type type of offensive player that uh, we don't have to defend for anymore. But he can do it all as a seven footer, and that, if anything, is the scariest part. I, if I'm Golden State, Draymond Green would be the guy that defends Carl Anthony Towns, and that's tough. He gives up a solid four or five inches against Carl Anthony Towns, so that'll be a very interesting defensive matchup. So Minnesota's a team to look out for in the West. And if I had to have a team in the East to look out for, I think it'd be Milwaukee. Just because, again, they bring such an element to the table with the with the athleticism, the length, the youthfulness, the energy. Malcolm Brogdon's in year two. Greek Freak's only getting better. Chris Middleton, hopefully healthy for a full season. Jabari Parker, healthy for a full season. Thon Maker, just getting better. That team could be scary. They could pull, they could raise some issues for both Cleveland and Boston with matchups, and they're a team to watch out for in the East. So there are teams to to look out for playing under the radar that could be good, that could be great, and you know, cause some issues or concerns for those top tier teams. But when everything's said and done, I think it's going to be Golden State representing the West, and I think Cleveland still just be the LeBron factor representing the East in the finals, and I would have to give the nod once again to Golden State just because I don't think Cleveland got better this offseason. I just think it's still LeBron. I don't think Boston has an answer for LeBron, and um, he's still going to lead them to at least the finals. They may not win, but I think the X factor here that I haven't mentioned yet is Cleveland has Brooklyn's pick, and they could come the deadline, make a trade, they have some expiring contracts that could be helpful for teams trying to rebuild. And I'm talking about one thing in particular. 
Boogie Cousins. I think DeMarcus Cousins on New Orleans, I mentioned them earlier that they could be fun if Alvin Gentry can figure things out. Boogie and Anthony Davis can make for a real fun and intriguing matchup, but I don't know. If it doesn't work and we're and it's January or February, the trade deadline's coming up, and we've realized that it isn't working with them, they could very well say, hey, let's just trade him and try to get something in return. And Cleveland could come calling and offer them that Brooklyn pick, which in February could be around a top five potential pick. And so from there, I don't know. Like It could happen. Boogie's the one guy that they could call call and say they could get. I don't know who else could be on the table, but... There's potential. Brook- Cleveland with that top five pick potential with Brook- and, and Brooklyn's pick could very easily get another player. So I don't think their roster is done yet. So that's the X factor here. Otherwise, with everything's- if everything is a standard and it's in a vacuum and no injuries, then Golden State is still the heavy favorite to come out and win the NBA Finals once again. Which, yeah, it sounds boring. They're going to win again like... God damn it! When are we gonna have some actual, actual playoff basketball that means something? I wouldn't suspect it be this year, just because Golden State is still good. They may have gotten better, so that's gonna be really, really scary. Um, I think that's all I had for in terms of the Carmelo trade and the NBA. You know, like to recap, Melo to the Thunder. It's fun. It's exciting for regular season. It might make for an intriguing Western Conference playoffs, but when everything's said and done, Golden State will still win. As for the other side of the trade, New York is bad, if not as bad as they've ever been, and they're in full rebuild mode, which is okay. At least they admitted it. They unloaded Anthony. They got a decent return in, in terms of their standards, and so we'll see about that. I do, I do want to touch up on one thing. I know this was a mellow emergency trade. I had a lot of thoughts about Carmelo and everything that's happening. I want to kind of forecast or foreshadow what's going to happen next year. You know, One thing I didn't do earlier is give Sam Presti a lot of credit for what he's done this offseason. That's Oklahoma City's GM. He got them Paul George. He got them Carmelo Anthony. Really, he only gave up Olin Depot, Sabonis, Enos Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second-round pick. Those five guys are thing, assets. I shouldn't say things. They're humans. Those four players and that asset of the second round pick turned into Victor Oladipo, or sorry, turned into Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. So that hats off to Sam Presti. That's phenomenal. But now, if we fast forward a year from now, I kind of alluded to the fact that none of them are going to be there next year. I fully, fully think that none of them are going to be there next year. And again, no offense to Oklahoma City, but Westbrook hasn't re-signed. Paul George has made it very clear he wants to be in L.A. As good as Sam Presti has been, as good, as good moves as he's made, I just don't know if he has what it takes to retain all three. And it may not even come down to what he can do. It's a money thing, too. Those guys are going to cost a lot of money. I think I saw somewhere Oklahoma City may have to pay upwards of like $100 million in tax just because of like luxury tax, just because that's how far up over they are on the salary cap. So... Real interesting scenario in Oklahoma City that's going to play out next year. If I had to bet my money on it, I would say Russell Westbrook and Paul George go out west to L.A. I thought LeBron might be going to L.A. as well. It's hard to tell with how the money's going to work and stuff. L.A. is going to have to somehow get rid of Luol Deng's contract and maybe some other stuff. But 
If you get them a core of those guys, or a mix of two of the three, Westbrook, PG, or LeBron, that can make for a real interesting storyline next year in LA. So that's something to look out for in the future. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to mention is just the rookie class. I think if there's one other thing to to look forward to in this NBA regular season, it's going to be the rookie class. Last year we had a rookie class kind of be below average, you know, not not play up to very well. They they were young, you know, they had th- there's still some guys in that class that could be special, Brandon Ingram mostly. But if I'm excited for one guy and Jalen Brown, I think he's going to take this next step. But this year's class I think is just going to be phenomenal. You got Dennis Smith Jr. going to slide right into Dallas's starting lineup and and um, you know, be a real have a real impact on that team. They could be a playoff team, and he could be rookie of the year. I think he was like the ninth or eleventh pick, so that's great. That's that just shows how deep this class is. Malik Monk's gonna be a straight up scorer in this league, so he's gonna have an impact. And then obviously up top, you have guys like Markel Fultz. You've got Lonzo Ball, obviously. Um, De'Aaron Fox, even I think De'Aaron Fox is gonna be one of the more special guys this in this class. It's going to be real interesting. It's going to be fun with the rookie classes, just where, how they're going to perform, you know, like, especially coming off of last year's just under underachieving rookies. This year's class can really play. They're on some good teams like Jason Tatum's on Boston. They could very well be in the finals. You're going to get to see a rookie perform in the finals. That's going to be fun. So that that's something to look out for come playoff time. And if I had to pick a rookie of the year to win, it would be Dennis Smith Jr. Just because I think he's in the best place for him to have an immediate impact, start on a decent team. They might make the playoffs. And so he's got the chance, and I think he will win rookie of the year. If not him, I think De'Aaron Fox is going to put up the best numbers. Their team may not be good enough to win, but De'Aaron Fox and Dennis Smith Jr. have the best chances, in my opinion, to win rookie of the year. Um, that's all I had for the Mellow Emergency Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of thoughts on Mellow. This was also my first solo podcast. It was a fun experience. It was a fun experiment. Got to learn from it. I'll be better next time. But I am, having said everything I did, you know, I thought I may have been sounded a little negative on the NBA. Don't get me wrong. I'm still very excited to watch some basketball. TNT Basketballs, Friday Night ESPN. It's fun stuff. It's just I know deep down that come next April and May, Golden State's still going to be dominating. But I guess it's fun to have like a villain in the league and everyone kind of rooting against them except for A, the bandwagoners, and B, the Bay Area, Golden State, faithful. Otherwise, I don't think anyone's really rooting for them. They've become the villain. You have the Kevin Durant, Cupcake, Snake, the double Twitter personality I don't know he's very hard to root for all of a sudden and he went to Texas he was my favorite player but I cannot find him I cannot find to like him anymore I can't find myself a root for him anymore which really sucks but yeah Golden State's the big villain and so it I think it's going to be fun rooting against them so much I don't remember the last time I have rooted so heavily against the team throughout an entire regular season and playoff run I think this year will reach will I'll it'll be at the maximum potential of how much I can hate a team and root against them. It'll be Golden State. So looking forward to that. 
that's all I had for NBA. I just quick recap the NFL Sunday. I was watching the Texans Pats game while recording. I didn't bring it up much. I tried to not clap or get too into the game to not mess up my podcast, but just now Deshaun Watson threw a Hail Mary to try to win the game and we ended up losing. But before that we had a five point lead with I think two twenty four left on the clock and Tom Brady aged forty or forty one shows us, shows America, shows the Texans once again why he is the greatest of all time. Um, so that's all for this week, guys. I'm super excited to keep this going. I think the iTunes thing, we finally have a solution, and I think I'm waiting on approval for iTunes. So that's going to be really exciting. Stay tuned for that. Next week, we'll probably be have some more NFL, college football storylines, and then, and then, folks, the greatest postseason sport there is, playoff baseball is right around the corner. I'm super excited. I'm only I'm I'm a I'm a rookie when it comes to playoff baseball. I followed three years ago when the Astros made a run against the Royals. We should have won that game, but we were too young. Last year we didn't make it, but I watched the Cubs and hopped on that bandwagon. So I am super excited for this year's playoff run and I cannot wait to talk playoff baseball. But until then, I will see you guys next week. <laughs>